Hey, welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? Today, we're privileged to talk with this week's guest, my very own husband, Jonathan, Mr. Sunday Afternoon. In this episode, we'll get real about the challenges and the joys of marriage, find out why it's so good to share your story, and hear why we like to banter about the chore of ironing. This is episode 15. Here we go. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for sharing with us today, being here, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week. Thank you for having me. So... Jonathan's a trooper because he is fighting a cold and it's just beginning. Um, Our little boy had it, then I had it, and then our other daughters have had it. So we're just going to go for it. All right. So do you have a recent kind of Saturday adventure or Sunday drive that our family has done that you wanted to share with everybody real quick before we dive into this topic of marriage? Well, last weekend, we took our girls to a college, a girls college basketball game. So a big D1 game. And it was exciting to take them, and it took about three of the four quarters to get them comfortable and relaxed <laughs> to the point where they actually seemed to figure out half of what was going on. But, you know, it was, it was really fun to let them see kind of what the big girls do. And uh, it wasn't horribly far from our home, which is nice. We didn't have to drive a long ways, but it was a fun adventure and a unique thing. And got to sit in great seats, so we were pretty close to the girls and waited in line afterwards <laughs> for, for autographs. It was really fun to get to take the girls and kind of see that whole other world of sporting events and fanaticism and all that goes with with college sports. And hopefully inspire them. Like maybe one of them will be good at basketball someday. Unlike me. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. I love basketball so much. I really actually have always wished that I was a better basketball player. So seeing these girls who are like 18, 19, 20 years old just be amazing and phenomenal was very inspiring and very cool. So yeah, I agree. That was a super fun adventure we had recently. Um, Well, let's just go ahead and dive in. This week, we are talking about marriage. So I thought, of course, how appropriate to have my husband and we just chat together with you. So I just wanted to kind of talk about how to build a healthy marriage and how to protect it. I've only given us one episode, but as you know, this is kind of a huge topic. It might be a little bit unrealistic. (laughs) I'm sure we could do many, many episodes that kind of dive into deeper subtopics of marriage. So we'll just see how this one goes. And if our listeners have more interest and questions after this, maybe we could do a follow-up little mini series on it. Um, I told a couple of my friends who I know are regular listeners that we were going to do an episode on marriage and they were super excited. So here we go. So let's just start with a good healthy dose of honest talk right now. So we know that marriage and divorce are common experiences. And I've got this um, article that I will reference in our show notes. Basically, it says that in Western cultures, more than 90% of people marry by age 50. Healthy marriages are good for couples' mental and physical health. They're good for children, like growing up in a happy home protects children from some of those mental, physical, educational, and social problems. And then this article goes on to say, however, about 40 to 50% of married couples in the United States divorce, and the divorce rate for subsequent marriages is even higher. So even a source like this that is not trying to make a point about marriage one way or the other 
will admit marriage is good. It's a good institution and it's healthy, especially for our children. Stability in our homes helps produce stability in our children. I think when they see a committed, loving relationship, just weather life storms with perseverance, it can be a powerful example to them and it can be comforting to them. So here's the first thing I wanted to say about marriage, knowing that a lot of marriages in the U.S. fail right now. It's very sad. It's very sobering. So marriage is hard, right? We know this. Marriage is hard. And I think that's partially why people give up and and don't continue on with that commitment. I think marriage is hard because of the daily grind, the paying bills, the cleaning up messes, doing laundry, ironing shirts. And that's just a a joke between my husband and I about the ironing battles. <laughs> Basically, you know, we have this battle of like, oh, I don't want to iron. Do you want to iron? Nope, I don't want to iron. <laughs> Doing yard work and house projects and changing the oil in our cars, mundane tasks that are not super romantic and not glamorous. And then communication, you know, seriously, sometimes I wonder how can I, with like a counseling degree, I have an actual counseling degree, overthink things and miscommunicate and struggle in this area so much of the time, (laughs) you know what I mean? So how do we do this? Well, we're all human, that's how. (laughs) And another hard thing about marriage is that we face the same person every day. And that's, yes, that's good, but it's also (laughs) can be difficult. The one who loves us unconditionally, but who has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's quite humbling. And then sometimes it's quite irritating, like especially if we want to hold on to a grudge or we want to be mad at that person. <laughs> we have to see them the next day and the next day. Um, there's a super funny episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, and I'm probably going to not quite get the quotes right, but maybe you can help me, babe. But it's just basically like, look, this is what's so hard about marriage. You <laughs> Every single day, this person is there. Do you remember how that kind of goes, like the gist of it? (laughs) Raymond's talking to his brother about how good marriage is. He's like, when you wake up, she's there. When you eat breakfast, she's there. When you eat dinner, she's there. She's just always there. (laughs) It's like, yep. (laughs) May not have made his point. Yeah. (laughs) But it is kind of how it is with marriage is you know the good and the bad and the cranky moods and the I want to be alone moods and the I just want to go golfing or I want to go skiing because it's what I've always done <laughs> and I don't really feel like it's my turn to iron a shirt <laughs> I know. It's so true. Marriage is hard. It really is because I think just the challenges of living with each other and having different personalities or annoying habits, ours or our spouses. Then if you have children, there are issues with parenting and how you're going to parent these these precious kids, relationships with in-laws and extended family. And I want to just give a huge shout out to all of our parents because I know they're all listening. And so, you know, I'm just saying maybe our listeners might struggle from time to time with relationships with their parents. But no, I'm serious. You know, relationships are never perfect. They're never easy. They're never without effort or error. You know, they're they're not these types of things that just can be neatly tied up in a bow. They get kind of complicated. So communication is key in creating these, these strong, healthy marriages. And it's also key in maintaining good relationships with all of our relatives too, like the extended family all of the in-laws, all of that. So, I mean, these are just a few of the challenges we face in marriage, but there are many upsides. So let's just bring the mood up here for a while. Well, you go back to relationships since we're bringing the mood up. I read an article today, um, which I can give you the link to about Sardinia and the Blue Zones. Oh, yeah. A brand new article on CNN where they're going back talking about the the centenarians, I believe the word is. 
centena- centenarians? Centenarians. People who live to be over 100. Yeah. Yeah. And they have massive proportion of it. They aren't necessarily the healthiest. They certainly are not the wealthiest, but they have strong, strong family relationships. Mm. You know, it didn't get into the nuclear family or what it's built of, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's strong marriages that make for strong taking care of grandma and grandpa all the way to 105, 108, 111. Yeah. Um, and these elderly people are a huge part, an active part of the family, helping rear the young and at that age, she'd be rearing the young of the young. <laughs> yeah. Be in the, somewhere in the greats by the time you passed on. But I mean, they're active, very well, not wearing glasses, a bunch of them. Yeah. At 100 years old. And interesting article, follow-up of the, the book, The Blue Zones. Which it, I highly recommend. It's super is, good. Yep. You can maybe link to that for everyone, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it really was centered in the relationship. Yeah. And that social support and that healthy network of relationships is so key. And sometimes I think, um, especially in American culture, we can tend to want to separate from our families and be all, you know, divided up and spread out across the country. And that might not be the best way, you know, in the end. And I'll read a little end of the article. It didn't say this, but (laughs) the marriage relationship is, in my opinion, the critical base of all those relationships. You're not going to get along with anyone other than maybe your own mom. Yeah. If uh, you're not getting along with your spouse, and you're certainly not getting along with your in, not going to get along with your in-laws if you're not getting along with your spouse. For sure. So this is uh, you know, reading into the articles and into the theories of it, but mm-hmm. you know the marriage, a good marriage, especially for the children, for your sake, and I would assume even the parents and grandparents' sake, is a critical foundation to the healthiness of life. Yeah. Which is an aspect that we in the United States tend to forget about. I mean, in most of the world, these blue zones, if you read the books, are very, very limited populations mm-hmm. amongst the masses. Yeah, that kind of leads right into this next point that marriage is good. So we just said marriage is hard, but marriage is good. And for all these reasons we've just been sharing from the very, very beginning, like when when you read in the beginning of um, the Bible, it's like God says it's not good for man to be alone. Like we're supposed to be helpers for each other. And that's something I have to remember, especially when I want to focus on the negative or complain or heaven forbid, nag. <laughs> you know, um, nagging does not help, right? So it's good. Marriage is good for us. It's good for us to be committed, to stick to our vows, to prove our love over the years. And when we fail or mess up, to come back to those promises again and again and just receive that companionship and faithfulness and have that provision and stability in our lives, the mutual respect, the encouragement. That person can be, you know, like your cheerleader, just cheering you on and being there for you. And it's a unique relationship that's meant to be shared with one person for our whole lives, right? And it's a partner, someone you can lean on. It's someone to raise your kids together with. So yeah, marriage is so good. And One of the other benefits, like you just said, was that support and feeling loved and cared for well into our old age, you know, with the same person. It's it's really powerful. The last kind of foundational thing I want to say about marriage before we kind of move into some ideas and action steps for how to keep building it, keep it strong, is just that marriage is worth it. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard of the beating 50% concept and the organization that... The Roloffs have created Audrey and Jeremy. They are a young couple. 
They just had a new baby little girl, Ember, and they always talk about this. They've got this whole uh, system that you can kind of get involved with where it's like a navigator's council journal and you can meet together and talk about these goals and, and questions to ask each other. And it's just such a great way to connect with your spouse. And the whole point is to stay in good communication and stay praying together and stay strong so that you can weather life storms and you can beat 50%, that 50% divorce rate. So another thing about marriage being worth it, I really feel, is just that when you stick with someone through the highs and lows, like to show your kids that you can do that and to show your kids that you can forgive and show grace to your 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 spouse through it all, it's just going to be something so powerful for them and they can learn from that example and they can feel the comfort and stability of that and they can carry that on to the next generation. I always tear up whenever I see older couples going on walks together and they're holding hands and you can tell they've been married for like 50 or more years. It's just so beautiful. Do you have any thoughts on that before we kind of transition to our next segment here? I do like it when you see the couples out walking when they're older. Um, it's We see it less on on this side of the ocean than when you do over in Europe, uh, especially Switzerland, Germany, where the a Sunday afternoon walk is like a big thing. And yeah. grandma and grandpa often go out with mom and dad, with teenage daughter and preteen son. And all six of them will go for a walk on the country lanes together. Not so much in Berlin or Munich or bigger big, cities. Big cities, but <laughs> yeah. it's more the rural areas where you actually have country lanes still. You know, I mean, that's the marriage of those grandparents set up the parents yeah. Are setting up the grandkids, and the grandkids are right there with them every Sunday. We don't really have much of a walkable country lane country. There's mm-hmm. not many places. There's some neat, neat areas where you can get off the main road and not get run over, <laughs> but it's not uh, not really our infrastructure set. But getting out and spending time and seeing this, those guys out still warms the heart to, to see that. You know, it's it kind of harkens a different era, yeah. but there's something good about that and that relationship building and actual caring enough to still hold her hand after 50 years. Yeah. It's not as easy after 10 as it is after five. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so after 50, there's just been a lot of hard work put in there. And I have a feeling that that's, it yeah. is that hard work, you know, so it is heartwarming to see. And it's really neat to see it when it passes to the next gen or generations, mm-hmm. plural as well. Yeah. And I think that's when you really see how it is worth it, right? You know, when it passes down and the strength of the family continues on. I love it. Likewise, you can see, sadly, the brokenness in families can sometimes be this really bad cycle where um, it just continues on. So we want to create strong family bonds, strong marriages to continue a legacy. All right, let's transition a little bit and kind of move into some action steps that we had thought of that we could share with you after establishing that, yes, marriage is hard, but it's also incredibly good and it is worth it. So here's the first thing I would say. Tell your story often. What I mean by that is tell the story of how you two met and tell it often and share it with your family, your friends, your kids, if you have kids. So we're going to do this right now, like an abbreviated version, partially because I just haven't really done it yet on the podcast and many of you may not know my full story of how I met Jonathan, and partially just to show you how powerful this exercise can be. So I'm going to share my perspective and then Jonathan will pipe in with his perspective because it's a little bit different and it's just fun to see how this all came together. So for me, just a quick backstory. I was teaching as a teacher and I was single and I was mm, 27 and I was starting to think that there was no Prince Charming for me out there at all. I thought in 
And I know in the grand scheme of life, I was not very old, but I felt like I was getting too old to get married, which is kind of funny now. But I was just feeling like discouraged and thinking like, where is this guy? How am I going to meet him? I don't see any prospects. And people were literally encouraging me like, maybe you should move to a bigger city because I was in a small town. And they're like, maybe you should try online dating. And I was like, oh, thank you. Nope. <laughs> so it was just really hard, but I was patient and I tried, you know, I tried to be patient. I tried to just keep giving that that burden and that worry back to God in prayer. But it was very difficult and I was very sad, literally just very sad and very discouraged. And so what happened was basically I, through a string of events, had prayed for specific things to happen and they all kind of lined up and happened. And then I felt really encouraged, like, okay, it's coming. My time will come soon. And I held on to that hope and that promise. Then, fast forward, January of 2009, Jonathan walks into church on a Sunday morning and I was singing and I saw him and I'm like, who is this? Because in the size of the church and the town, like it was very obvious this was a new person. I didn't know him and I knew everybody. So I was like, who is this? He's quite cute. <laughs> who is this? I want to know him. And he comes in and he was dressed really nice. I did notice he had a very nice, nicely pressed shirt, which is funny about the ironing because <laughs> he did a great job ironing his own shirts, which is probably why in the back of my mind, I'm like, mm, you can iron. <laughs> I know you can iron. Anyways, he comes in and I thought, oh, he's probably engaged. I don't see a wedding ring on his finger, but he's about my age. He's probably taken. <laughs> and anyways, we end up talking and got along great. And I thought he is so awesome. And the second time he was there, like the second Sunday, he asked me out to coffee and literally the rest is history. We had a date that lasted eight hours. <laughs> It was a coffee date that morphed into a dinner date. And we just talked and talked and talked. And I I knew right from the beginning, it took me maybe a couple of days after that first date to really let it sink in. Like, this is the guy. Like, I know it deep down inside. This is the guy that I'm going to marry. And we got married in December of that same year. So Jonathan, could you share your backstory and how, again, this is sort of the abbreviated version, but, you know, we were both 27. Am I getting that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> married at 28, but met at 27. Okay, so what was your backstory? Like, maybe include Austria, because I think that was kind of amazing. Well, that was pivotal amazing. in marriage. Um, <laughs> so I had lived um, in a resort area in the Northwest, and uh, my brother, years and years prior to me meeting Hannah, my brother had been trying to get me to meet this really pretty girl that sings in this church. I'm like, <laughs> I can ski, I can golf, <laughs> I, love I that live that in was a resort. Like, why would I want to mess that up? I was like 24 <laughs> or something at the time. And, you know, it was, it was, things were good. Had a lot of buddies in a crew that <laughs> text going around, hey, rock climbing at five or, you know, over here at six. It's just constant stuff to do. I think that crew's all dissipated now. <laughs> um, then I went to Austria to house sit in the Austrian Alps for three months in the winter. Not time. a bad gig, let me also just known say. As Trying to ski six days a week <laughs> instead of the two I got when I had a full-time job back in the States. So left my job, ended up in Austria, in deep mountain Austria, southern, that I didn't actually yet speak the language. I had spent time over there at an international English-speaking boarding school working prior to that. So I was familiar with the language, familiar with the way of life, but I was not fluent enough to converse, not even remotely. Mm -hmm. I could shop. 
I could um, get groceries. I could go to a restaurant. Which, if I could brag right now, Jonathan has learned a ton of German, so he's really awesome at it now. <laughs> Since then, I've become much more fluent to the point where I can fully converse. Uh, I still wish I was better. It's a, it is Language learning can be a very difficult challenge, and I enjoy the challenge, but it, it can be rough. But back to Austria. Went there. You know, you get down in deep mountain country, and you have someone that took three years of English in high school 42 years ago and hasn't spoken it since. <laughs> They're not going to remember much. No. They might understand a few words I say, but they're certainly not going to venture out to try and speak it. Mm-hmm. And that's the norm there. And even people that just got out of high school, it's the norm for them not to want to venture out to try and speak it. So I was on, basically on an island, hanging out by myself and facing what alone might look like. What is it like when my crew quits texting to try and take me rock climbing or yeah. kayaking or doing who knows what on any time of day, any day of the week? But sitting in Austria, I kind of face, what is it really like? What what happens when this crew heads away? What's it like to get older and not have a significant other, someone, a spouse that you can really be one with, mm-hmm. um, that you can, you know, that you can know basically well and will know you well and that you can grow old with. So that kind of was an eye opener for me. Then got back, uh, ended up in grad school, out of my resort town and back to the big city. <laughs> you know, the, the rest was kind of history. Took my brother up on an offer to meet the pretty girl. <laughs> Next thing you know, one date later, I'm like, wow, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And that was an odd feeling, but it was pretty obvious. Yeah, I love it. I love hearing it again. <laughs> Telling your story, here's the thing, telling your story reignites that feeling of love and affection you had when you first met, which I'm experiencing right now. It's like, whoa, you just remember your heart is stirred and you just think, oh, this is so amazing, you know? It's a good thing to do from time to time, and I promise you it will benefit your marriage greatly to share your story. Sharing your story also helps encourage others in their journey of life, whether they are single, married, or even divorced, whatever it may be. The power of our stories is incredible. Your story may be the exact thing that someone needs to hear right now. So I would say be bold and just go for it. I recently did this with two girlfriends over tacos at lunch. (laughs) And let me tell you, I almost teared up telling my story again, and I cried hearing their stories too. Our emotions are often so fickle, and sometimes we forget the powerful reality of how we were brought together as a couple. We can get all annoyed over something silly like, oh, if he does such and such one more time, you know, if he leaves his dirty clothes on the bathroom floor one more time, I swear. And, you know, but telling our story, by the way, that's not a real life example, is it? <laughs> no, I will interject. I do not leave dirty clothes about. I might leave clean clothes <laughs> draped nicely over a chair, which is not a problem. Yeah. But I will not leave dirty clothes around. No, that's Thank very you. true. Yes. So telling our story, telling my story always reminds me that, you know, I was in a lonely place before I met Jonathan and God has been good to me to bring him to me and how blessed we are to have three healthy children. There's just so much to be thankful for. The laundry issue, okay, I'll say the draping issue, (laughs) the draping of clothes, (laughs) does not ultimately matter at all, right? I can just pick up those clothes (laughs) with joy, keeping a healthy perspective on it all, right? A little healthy communication and respect go a long way for those little things that you might think to yourself about your spouse, like, oh, that's just so silly, or that's annoying, or blah, blah, blah. 
you know, just give generous grace and move on. Don't keep score. It doesn't need to start this big war between you, you know? Here's another thing about sharing your story. Sharing your story to your children is a powerful example of God's faithfulness. It just shows your kids like how things can come together and gives them hope for their future, especially I would say if you have teenagers or young adults. I would advise that, of course, you use age-appropriate details, like maybe your story has some parts in it that they don't need to know the full backstory and they don't need to know everything, but, you know, it's healthy to share the grace and redemption of your story. Like maybe you weren't in a perfect place when you met. Maybe things were hard or messy or imperfect. That's where grace meets us every time, and our kids need to know that that same grace is available to them too. Well, we are going to pick up the rest of this conversation on marriage next week on episode 16. I kind of had a feeling it would take at least two episodes. And you'll hear the rest of my conversation with Jonathan then. What can you look forward to? We'll share four more tips about building and protecting your marriage and some of our favorite things, and also a fun memory that we will always treasure. Don't forget, there's still time to share your Try Something New. We've extended the giveaway until the end of February, and it's these awesome yarn garlands that my friend Christina made, and I got a chance to see them today. They are really, really cool. Get in touch with me on Instagram or Facebook at Sunday Afternoon Mama, or email me. It's Hannah at SundayAfternoonMama.com, and all you have to do is tell me what you tried and tag me. You can also use the hashtag try something new. I'll be back with you again next week, and I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day tomorrow. Remember, it's not about the fancy perfect gift or Instagrammed experience as much as it is just making sure that your sweetheart knows how much you love him in a way that's meaningful to him. In the meantime, I am seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.